No, it's a new song? All right, we're going to sing that for our closing song as well. I'm going to learn this song, good song. Well, uh, we, uh, we've just finished our series on the wisdom literature, and this morning, until another eight weeks, we're going to cover a topic on prayer, which is based on the Lord's Prayer. Can I have my PowerPoint, if you're ready? Uh, on prayer. You know, prayer, in, if, if someone comes to you and asks you, can you explain to me prayer? What would you say? I mean, in essence, prayer is simply defined as talking to God, right? You can say prayer is talking to God. You pray, you, you talk to God. And it's very easy to explain, but at the same time, you really deep, deep into it, is probably one of the most complex subjects that can be discussed. I mean, how can a human talk to the Creator? How do you do that? And how does an insignificant human being address the Creator of the universe? Can God actually hear all prayers at once? I mean, how many people are there in this world? Can He actually do that? And how does prayer work? Say you make a prayer to God, and then what? God will dispatch an angel and what? There's, there's 20 billion, I mean, 50 million people praying at one time. How does that work? God dispatched 50 million angels to attend to your prayer requests. And not to mention, can prayer really change God? If prayer changes God, does it mean that there's no certainty? Because if someone keeps on changing, there's, there's no certainty, isn't it? Whereas an unchanging person, there's certainty. And how about if you say that God is sovereign, He knows all things, He has a divine plan. So how does prayer move Him down a particular path? Does it mean to say that God is depending on you in that sense? So who is actually running the world, if he depends on your prayers in order for things to happen, so who is in charge? Is God in charge or actually you? So when you actually want to dive deep into prayer, there are loads of questions that you can come up with. How about my prayer? I pray for someone who, who suffered from cancer and then the person died. And someone who don't believe in God, suffering from cancer and God, well. So if you want to dive deep into prayer, there are complex questions that you actually need to unpack. But all that we have from Scripture is that we are asked to pray. And if you survey the Bible from Old Testament and New Testament, God does work through prayers. Not necessary that God will answer your prayer. Even Jesus' prayers was not answered. Did you not, not realize that? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus actually said, Well, remove this cup. If it is willing, Lord, remove this cup of suffering from me. And God said, Well, sorry, there's no plan B, only plan A. The only way to save the world is the pathway of the cross. No plan B. Stick to plan A. And Jesus said, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. 
if we survey the Scripture, we can come to the conclusion by saying that God could do whatever He chooses without our prayer. But for whatever reason, He chose and He invited us to be His co-laborers. God somehow has determined that He will use the prayers of His people to accomplish His purposes on this earth. For whatever reason, he, he could do without prayer. He could just... He could have done that easily. Nobody prayed when He created the world. But for whatever reason, He chose to use us to be part of the plan in His divine plan here on earth. You see that prayer principle of us participating in prayer is right throughout Scripture. Is displayed throughout the Bible. Over and over, we see God working, acting in response to the prayers of His people. Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still in the book of Joshua. Prayer brought fire from the sky to consume Elijah's drenched sacrifice. Prayer overthrew armies, prayer healed the sick, prayer raised the dead. And everything God does in the work of ministry, He does through prayer. There are so many verses in the Bible, it tells us that. Prayer is the way you defeat the devil. Jesus said, pray. Stay with me, pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. So somehow prayer is the way to sustain us through temptation. Prayer is the way you get the lost saved. Prayer is the way you acquire wisdom. James talked about, if you lack wisdom, ask God. So somehow God said, you ask Him, and He may grant you wisdom. Prayer is how the saints get strengthened. Prayer is the way we get laborers out to the mission field, isn't it? When we come to Mission Month, we often talk about in Matthew chapter 9, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to the field. So somehow God seems to want to involve us to accomplish all that He wants to do on earth. So we want to spend the next eight weeks just unpacking the uh, Lord's Prayer, some call it the Disciples' Prayer or the Model Prayer. In, uh, we're all familiar with, you, we all memorize it. I attended a Catholic school, and since I was 13 years old, I wasn't a believer, but I know the Lord's Prayer. I know it in English, I know it in Mandarin as well. And uh, we want to explore this, but before we come to that, uh, each individual request, I want to start from verse uh, 5 onwards, because before Jesus actually taught us about what prayer should be, should be, He actually tells us what prayer is not to be. And so I have three points for you this morning. The third point is the one that I will elaborate a little bit more. Just combing through the Lord's Prayer very quickly with one word summary so that as we plow through over the next couple of weeks, we can know where we are heading. Jesus uh, taught about the Lord's Prayer is in the context of the Sermon of the Mount. In case you do not know, Matthew chapter 5 to 7 is known as the Sermon 
on the mount. So the, prayer, the Lord's Prayer is in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6. And Jesus has been talking about true righteousness. Jesus went, uh, went to set a standard of righteousness so high that unless we are a part of Jesus, unless the Holy Spirit is at work in us, uh, we won't be able to attain it. And Jesus is saying that what true righteousness is like, not so much of what the Pharisees and the scribes have been talking about, just the external. You know, many of us like to put on a front that we are all well, we are spiritual, good and healthy and all that, but Jesus likes to push it deep into the heart. Christianity is about our inner self, our motives. If you do the right thing with the wrong motives, maybe it's considered wrong. If you do something, it's just for show but not real, you guess about it. You, you're going to decide whether that is a, a real change or not. And so many things in life is not changes from internal, but many of us are only changing from the external, which is our behavior. But our motive, our things inside of us is not. And so Jesus kind of righteousness, Christianity type of righteousness is, is penetrate through the heart, through the motives. And here in this passage, Jesus has been talking about that. That some of these Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the Lord, they are so caught up with the external. They are so caught up with impressing people, how spiritual they are, how godly they are. And Jesus said, well, these are only for show. I'm going to tell you what true righteousness is. And he went into the heart. And in this section, he talked about three things. He gave an illustration of three things. The first one is in giving. It's in giving. Matthew chapter 6, he talks about giving as an example. Giving to the needy. That is for letting people see. And then the second one is talking about prayer. And then the third one, he gave an example of fasting. So giving prayer and fasting. He uses these three examples to illustrate what true righteousness is all about as believers. But we are only going to touch on the prayer part. So what I'm going to do now is to read to you the passage first, and then with the remaining time that I have, I want to give you three points on this text. Remember, he's talking about what true righteousness is all about, and he's giving, using prayer as an example. He said, when you pray, he said, be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street's corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, if that is what they are after, then they have received their reward in full because everybody could see they already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what reward do you want? Which one? If you want man's reward, you receive it already, Jesus says. But if you pray in secret, God will reward you. And then he went on to say, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. 
right? Do not be like them, Jesus said. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then some of us may be thinking, so if God knows already what we're going to ask Him, so why we need to ask? And then comes to the Lord's Prayer, which we are all familiar with. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So over the next eight weeks, we are going to uh, unpack the Lord's Prayer. But today, I want to backtrack a little bit, just talk a little bit about verses 5 to 8. And then the Lord's Prayer, I'll just give you one word each for the prayer, just as a way to... to gives you a, a rough idea where we are heading. The first one uh, Jesus seems to be teaching us about prayer is this. The genuine and meaning prayer begins in secret. Begins in secret. Jesus says that the best place to practice prayer is secretly. Or, ha or hang handicraft says, the secret prayer is secret prayer. And Jesus often, secretly, He often withdrew Himself to a lonely place all by Himself where He has so much activity, so much healings to do. Disciples is crowding around all around Him. He would find His time to go away. In Mark chapter 2, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus withdrew to a solitary place and then He prayed. By Himself, quiet moment. Why pray in public? Because in the context of challenging what the Pharisees have been teaching, Pharisees and scribes, they are a lot into external. They love the praises of man. And did you know that when they, he said, Jesus said, do not pray like him, for love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know, sometimes they, 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 they watch the timing of prayer. When the time comes to pray, they are walking on the street, they will stop immediately and they will just, just pray. And some Pharisees, some teachers of the law, they kind of time themselves pacing as they walk in the marketplace, pace themselves up to a crossroad junction where there are more people that they stop there. Oh, time starts to pray in the middle. Everybody could see. And everybody would think, wow, this man is such a, such a holy man, such a righteous man, such a, such a great man, you know, in a sense. And so Jesus is trying to counter their teaching by saying, no, 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 prayer is not about showing off. Prayer is not about how eloquent you are, how, how good you are, giving people the impression how spiritual you are. It is not about that. The prayer that Jesus says that is genuine and meaningful is secret prayer. This particular prayer principle reminds us that the purpose of prayer is not to impress others, like the religious leaders of Jesus' day who prayed on busy street corners at set times every day. No, the purpose of prayer is for us to be alone in conversation with God. 
We do not pray to communicate to others how holy we are. We pray to communicate with God how holy He is. Prayer is not a spectator sport. It's not something we engage in to give off sickness of our own spiritual superiority. There was a tendency for people in going down that pathway. And so, Jesus is trying to counter that. So the practice of secret sea liberates those of us who are trapped by the desire to be seen, enable us to give up on the whole business of impression management. Maybe not in Australian culture at large, but certainly in the Eastern culture where it is face culture. Face is very important to Eastern people. And therefore, you have this kind of saying about honor killing and all that kind of things because the emphasis is on the, the face, the external. When you pray secretly, it is genuine. It is just you and you alone with God. There's no one else to impress. Because there are many things that we do in life is because of others. It's because of others placing their obligation on us that we do certain things. But secret prayer allows you to be genuine and real. And that meaningful prayer can arise from being by yourself. Have you heard of the story about little boys saying time prayers, you know, kids when they're young, uh, they'll say, bless mommy, bless daddy, daddy and, and God, give me a new bicycle. And the mom will often say, well, God's not deaf, son. And then the son will often say, I know, but grandma is in the next room. <laughs> and she's hard of hearing. Therefore, I need to say louder. So the prayer is not to God. The prayer is to grandma. But secrecy allows us to, to, to be real and genuine. But I just want to move on to second point by saying that that is not in any way suggesting that we should not have corporate prayer. Yeah, corporate prayer, Megan prayed. We have prayer meetings. We have three prayer meetings a week, did you know? We have one at 8 o'clock via Zoom on Sunday. We have one on Sun two, two, two prayer meetings on Sunday. One at 8 o'clock via Zoom. One at 10.15 now, upstairs. And both prayer meetings are catered for people who are here before service. You can come before service just a little bit earlier for prayer. And then we have Wednesday via Zoom again at 2 p.m. And the details are all in the bulletins. And so I'm not in any way suggesting that corporate prayer or public prayer is unnecessary. Not at all. Jesus underscore the point that secret prayer, genuine prayer begins there genuinely uh, at the start. So corporate prayer, please come. Please come and join us in prayer. As I always said in the prayer meeting, uh, prayer meeting is the engine room of the church. It's the engine room. Prayer is like our physical organ, it's the heart that's pumping. And without prayer, the church cannot go on. You can use on your skill, you can use about uh, your management skill and to get it going, but at the end of the day, what really is spiritual matter? And the Holy Spirit needs to move, and that comes from us as a church praying. And I can guarantee you, most churches, the lowest attendance is a prayer meeting. So we want to raise up prayer warriors. And we thank God that as a church, we have at least 
about 15% of the church members attends prayer meeting, which I want to encourage you to join us whenever you are available. So that's the first point. Genuine and meaningful prayer is prayed in secret. Secondly, genuine and meaningful prayer is sincere. It's sincere. Look at verse 7 and 8. Jesus went on to say, you know, when you pray, do not, don't have to keep on babbling like pagans. Because that's what pagans pray. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus said, do not be like them. Because your father already knows what you need before you ask him. Do you remember the story in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18 about Elijah having a showdown with the prophets of Baal? Remember what they were pray- how the prophets of Baal were praying? In verse 26 of chapter 18, 1 Kings, it said that then they, which is the pagan priest, they call on Baal from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. They shout over and over again, but there was no response. No one answered. So that's how the pagan prayer, they keep on having many words, believing that as many words, you, you seem to kind of get God to answer your prayers if you have many more words. Jesus is saying God isn't like some man-made bow, some false God that you have to manipulate or coerce with repeated babblings to get Him to hear you and help you. God loves us. He welcomes our prayer. Prayer is not an effort to overcome our Heavenly Father's unwillingness to respond by wearing Him with our words. God doesn't need our vain repetitions. He wants real communication. And when we pray, He wants us to put our hearts into it. Genuine, sincere, real. Whatever words you have, even if you don't have words, even if you don't know how to string sentences, pray with your heart. Someone said that one sentence burdened with the heart's desire is dearer to God than an hour's rehearsing our words and phrases with no longing behind them. Or, John Bynion says, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. So Jesus is saying, sincerity, come as who you are, is not just to impress people, your heart is speaking genuinely to God in the way that you know how especially those of us who are new. I don't know, when I first became Christian, and then when we are in a, a youth group meeting, and then we, we were having a prayer meeting, we have to go around to pray for things, and I start to count, you know, one, two, who, the next person is this, two more will be my turn, and I start to rehearse my prayer, start to think what I'm going to pray and rehearse it, and then when I come to my turn, I was so panicked, I kind of mumble and don't know what to do, which is quite normal, isn't it? But I think if with great heart, honest heart, God receives those kind of prayer. And Jesus is saying we are not there to impress people. So we just use sincere, genuine from the heart, we pray. So genuine and meaningful prayer is done in secret. It begins in secret and genuine and meaningful prayer is sincere. So those are the two things that God tells us, wrong type of prayer. And that is public for sure. And secondly, it is just babbling with words, but the heart is actually not 
there. And then thirdly, which is the Lord's Prayer, which is we're going to unpack this over the next couple of weeks, Jesus says that genuine and meaningful prayer has a specific pattern. Now, please don't get me wrong. Okay, I know straight away you say, well, didn't Jesus just say, don't babbling like a pagan, and then now you're telling us that there's a specific pattern that you just repeat and repeat and repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over, just recite over and over again. No, I'm not saying that God hear the impromptu prayers that we throw together quickly in times of panic or distress. I'm not suggesting that. Of course, He does. We don't have to perfect our prayers for God to listen to them and answer them. But a prayer that benefits us most as disciples who are striving to become more like Jesus is a prayer that follows what Jesus has, has put together and said. A more balanced way of looking at life and prayer. Because our prayer, if without this particular one, can just only be requests and requests and requests. How many parents actually enjoy children come to you only because they want something from you. How many children actually go to their parents and just want to spend time with them? Instead of just asking them for something. Or how many children actually want to spend time with parents? But here, Jesus is teaching us a well-rounded, all-encompassing prayer, a balanced type of prayer should be in a very big meta kind of picture, not just only asking God for things. So Jesus didn't give us this prayer as a kind of paragraph to be recited all the time. Plus, the disciples actually asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, not to teach them a prayer. No, this is a pattern to follow, a pattern that shows us the proper attitude of prayer. The better we are at following this pattern, the more we understand and embrace the principles of prayer. The more meaningful our prayer becomes, the less selfish it will become and more meaningful it will be. It positively, and it will begin to positively impact our lives as well as the lives of those who know us. So while it is a pattern, it is not to follow rigidly in the sense of reciting all the time. Uh, of course, as a church, sometimes we recite together and some churches have this tradition of reciting together. But it is a bigger picture for us to follow. As Max Lucado says about the Lord's Prayer, in these verses, Christ has provided more than a model for prayer. He has provided a model for living. These words do more than tell us what to say to God. They tell us how to exist with God. And if you really study the Lord's Prayer, it actually reveals to us more about who God is as well. So let me give you one word of each of the prayer, and then we will unpack this as we cover uh, next week. First and foremost, the prayer starts with our Father in heaven. So prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. It is not based on performance, but relationship. This is a relational prayer. It's not a prayer you just recite. There is a relationship 
that is going on. Just as someone say, I love you. I mean, I often wonder people who, who say, I love you on the stage with thousands and millions of people. I don't know what that, that means at all. Uh, there is a relationship that is going on. So that's why the prayer begins with our Father in heaven. We unpack that. Does it mean that uh, God is the male? Can we address our mother in heaven? Uh, we will address that next week. Uh, but prayer is about relationship. There's a relationship that is existing there. And so it's not based on performance. There's no such thing as a bad prayer in the sense. The bad prayer is only if it's not with your heart. But if a relationship, just like, for example, how many of parents here or, 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 or grandparents, you have kind of a, a picture that's placed on your fridge or somewhere that's drawing by your grandchildren or your kids, three years old, five years old? Yeah, all of us, most of us have that. And Richard Foster puts it this way. In the same way that a little child has drawn what's going on in their heart, the Father in heaven sees. He sees what's going on in their heart. There's no such thing as a bad prayer. There's no such thing as a bad drawing. If your grandson, three years old or two years old, put together, of prayer is that we get hold of God, not of the answer. It's a relationship that's going on. So, to prayer is about reverencing. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be honoured in the deepest part of my heart, in my community, in my nation, in the world. Prayer is about reverencing God, that we are coming to God. Yes, you can lie in bed, you can be casual praying to God. But ultimately, God is God. Hallowed be your name. Blessed be your name. And then prayer is about reigning. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Prayer is not just about us. It's not just about our world. Prayer is also about God's world. You want to usher God's kingdom. May your kingdom reign. The word kingdom, we often talk about a king reigning in the kingdom. And we are talking about God reigning in this world. Your kingdom come. Prayer allows us to participate in God's kingdom work around the world. And that's why we want to pray. It's part of our prayer to see and to recognize that God, we want to usher God's kingdom in this world that we live. And then fourthly, prayer is about resigning. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is about resigning. Your will be done. Being a believer is trying to sell so that God can live in us, so that we submit to His will. We follow His ways because His ways is a good way. His ways is the right way. His way is the best way. It's the perfect way. And as I begin to walk on this earth, the more I follow myself, the more mistake I make. But the more I submit my will to God, God, I don't know what to do, but I want to follow your way. The more I do that, I think I'm resigning. Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Oswald Chamber, which is my favorite devotional author, he once said that Jesus Christ's life absolute failure from every standpoint
but God's. But what failing from man's standpoint was the tremendous triumph from God's. Because God's purpose is never man's purpose. So if you look at the standpoint of humankind, we see Jesus, he's almost like an absolute failure. He came here born on earth, he spent three years preaching, teaching, most people abandoned him anyway, no, people, most people don't believe in, you know, in, he preached to 5,000 people, 5,000 5, people turned away, you know, you know, in a man's way of evaluation, he, he's a failure, he died on the cross as well. But, it's never standpoint from God, because God's purpose is never man's purpose. Your will be done. Fifthly, prayer is about requesting. Yes, requesting is part of prayer. Give us today. Give us today daily bread. It's turned on. It's okay? I use this. All right. Better? Prayer is about uh, requesting. Gives us today our daily bread. But can I just, in, we will come to that, but can I just mention here, you know, sometimes when we pray, we don't receive God's answer. Or re we don't receive the request, the answer that we want. Um, and therefore, we can get discouraged or we can walk away and say, well, God never answered my prayer. Maybe because of my sin. Maybe because I've done wrong. Maybe because uh, God doesn't like me, doesn't love me. God always answers that person's prayer, but for whatever reason, my prayers are not answered. Uh, Pope Benedict says, God is always faithful to His promises, but He often surprises us in the way He fulfills them. He will answer, and if I may say it, oftentimes in shocking ways. But He will answer. And that is where Jesus comes in in His prayer, isn't it? Not my will, but yours. Sometimes our prayer can be so limited. Sometimes what we ask can be so selfish or what we think is best. But God actually said, no, that's not the best. That's the worst. I'll give you my best. And this is the correct one. And as, as I say, just the same, when kids come to us and ask for things, we, we, we don't think that is good for them. Sometimes we refuse. We'll come to that again. About, but, but prayer is about requesting. All that I want to say is that God always answers prayer and God always gives us the, the best possible uh, answer to our prayers. It is the best for us. And we just need to have the faith to believe that that is best for us. And as time goes on, and we believe it's best, you begin to see it, you begin to realize it. Um, as I look back now, I'm actually very grateful to God for not answering a lot of my prayers. A lot, I'm so grateful to Him. If God answered all of my prayers, I don't know what happened to me now. It will be a disaster. And I'm so grateful to God. Number six, prayer is about releasing forgives us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a twofold message here. We are to release our sins. We ask God for forgiveness. 
God forgives us. We are also to release the sins of others, others who have offended us. Receive, claim the forgiveness from God and release others who have sins against us. Regardless of what they have done or said to you or done or said about you, you have to release it. Because if you don't do that, no one suffers more than you. If you, don't re- if you live in resentment and bitterness, no one suffers more than you. Period. As Corrie Ten Boon rightly says, when we forgive someone, we set a prisoner free. And then you discover the prisoner is yourself. Prayer is about releasing. Let it go. God is our judge. If we want to take offense on everything, as probably Mohandras Gandhi used to say, if we pay an eye for an eye, the whole world will be blind. Prayer is about releasing. And then number seven, prayer is about relying. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, this is another twofold request. A request for guidance and a request for deliverance and victory. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus says that too, isn't it? In the Garden of Gethsemane, I just mentioned just now. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So we need to rely on God. Our strength, we can't. We need to constantly submit ourselves to God. God, please help me. I don't know about you. I pray this prayer very frequently. God, help me. God, I can't do it. Please help me. God, I can't forgive this person for saying such hurtful words to me. I can't do it, Lord. Help me. Holy Spirit, please empower me to forgive this person. Please give me strength because I can't do it. So prayer is about relying. Constantly say, God, help me, help me. It's a good prayer. Wherever you are, just say, God, help me. I can't do it. Lord, I have an exam. Help me. I wish that I can be more prepared than whatever I can't. Lord, help me. Please help me. I think that is a beautiful word. The more you say that, the more you are moving away from your own self and moving towards relying and depending on God. And that is why when we depend on God, we can have victory. By ourselves, we fall. Prayer is about relying. Finally, the Lord's Prayer, come to the last one, prayer is about rejoicing. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, well, if you look at your Bible, there's a high possibility, there's a good chance, probably that it doesn't include in your, in your text, but there's always a footnote right below. Say that in, in a later text, a later uh, a manuscript, it was included. So there is a, there's a good chance that Jesus didn't actually say this prayer at the end of his prayer. Uh, most textual scholars agree that it was probably added in the margin by some copies somewhere down the line and eventually got put into the text itself. But the Bible is always very clear and and. and Honest in the sense. If it is not there, they will just say, put it at a footnote, later manuscript added in there. They will not just include that and pretend that it is there. It will tell you that. 
That's the accuracy and the reliability and the honesty of the scripture. But I still use it here primarily because it is a beautiful endpoint, a beautiful benediction, a beautiful recalibration to God. And besides, it is also very scriptural. It is actually direct, almost direct quote from David's prayer in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 that says this, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise our glorious, your glorious name. So while this part of the text that I just read to you in the sermon, in the Lord's Prayer is not there, may not be there, but it's very scriptural because it is all about giving praise and thanks and glory to God. So those are the uh, eight general directions that we will be approaching uh, about all these prayers. And I hope that over the next couple of weeks, we will all grow together. William Lee says that it is not the aromatic of our prayers, how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they may be, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be. It is the fervency of the Spirit that God listens to. It's the Spirit is you fervently, sincerely, genuinely come to God and repent and rely on Him. Last night, I actually watched a, uh, a documentary, I think maybe some of you watched, I don't know, on TV, about uh, Pavarotti. Anybody watch that? Uh, Luciano Pavarotti. I watched his life and all that. Of course, he died in 2007, about 15 years ago. Uh, he was one of the greatest tenor, operatic singer of all times. And he said that when he was a boy, his father, who was a baker, introduced him to the wonders of song. And his father urged him to work hard to develop his voice. And Pavarotti took his father's advice. But he also enrolled in the teacher's college. He was a teacher before he was a singer. And upon graduation, he asked his father, Dad, shall I be a teacher or shall I be a singer? And the father said this to him. He said, Luciano, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. And then Pavarotti said, well, I choose one. And it took me seven years of study and frustration before I made my first professional appearance. It took another seven to reach the Metropolitan Opera. 
And now I think whether it's laying bricks, writing a book, whatever we choose, we should give ourselves to it. And I'll conclude by saying and encouraging you, I believe in, my, in Christian life, the fundamentally most important part of our Christian living or spiritual discipline is actually prayer. It's actually prayer. It will affect every areas of your life. Every areas of your life, it will be affected. Pastor Caroline often writes prayer notes and sends out on Friday. And how many of you know that what she ends off with towards the end? Always the same line. Prayer does make a difference. The life-changing, mind-blowing, earth-rattling difference. And the most difference it will make is you. Is you. Because God's way of changing you, He used this method of prayer. And as you pray, you will begin to change. Father in heaven, we thank you for teaching us how to pray. Lord, we know we fall short, but we want to come back genuinely, sincerely, just as who we are. We don't have to impress anyone. We're not here to impress anyone. It's a fruitless exercise because you will never be able to impress everyone. Prayer is just coming before you, genuine, be who we are, and say, Lord, help us. We don't have it all. We need you. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. As we sing this closing song, speak to us and renew our spirit. Amen. Would you stand and repeat the 